Well, hello! Welcome back to a new episode of the Redeeming the Time podcast. This is pretty exciting because it appears that my website is up, running, it's been going for a few days now, everything's working fine, which is good. I've been able to post a few episodes, get some feedback, that's also really good. Overall, things are just looking really good for the podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about satisfaction, where it comes from, why we don't have it, and how to get it. We spend a majority of the time in John chapter 4, so if you aren't driving or doing something else, uh, it would be ideal for you to perhaps get out your own Bible and see what you can do with that. I will not be reading through the entire thing, I'll only be highlighting certain verses, so it'll really help you as the listener to be able to follow along somehow. Without any further ado, we'll jump right into today's discussion. Satisfaction. Kind of a funny thing. Everybody seems to think to know how to get it, and yet it seems that a lot of people around us really don't have it at all. So how do you really get it? That's what I set out to kind of talk about during today's podcast. It came about because a buddy of mine went into our group chat and was talking about how he really just was feeling down, like nothing was motivating him at all. And so we all kind of tried to help him out a little bit, but there's only so much you can do, you know? But what we realized was there's a lot of people that have this problem, you know? And so I wondered, well, let's do an episode on it, because I think this is something that really does need to be talked about. What do you do when you aren't satisfied and you don't know how to fix it? So there's numerous problems that come with this dissatisfaction thing, so... The symptoms that my friend was showing was, um, or were, symptoms of just not having any passion for anything. He was finding it really difficult to get motivated for stuff. Things that he's usually pretty excited to do, he just wasn't feeling it, you know? And he said it was the same way with his faith. He couldn't really get anything going. This is really just a common problem that a lot of people tend to have. They can't get fired up about anything. They have no passion. They just, they don't do anything. They just do nothing. And people have all kinds of remedies for this, too, and it never really seems to go anywhere. You have people who try to find satisfaction in, like, a job or in a new boyfriend-girlfriend or people who try to find satisfaction in weird new hobbies or something. You can see this happen a lot. If you just look around, you'll be able to see people who are just sinking all kinds of time into, like, these wrong things. And what you'll find is that it never really seems to work out for them. Maybe it'll work out for a little while, like a new hobby, new job, whatever. While it's new, it'll work. But generally, it just doesn't. It really doesn't at all. And then you find people who really don't have a satisfaction uh, solution at all, and they're just going for anything to get them out of what they're in. Not even satisfaction, less than satisfaction. That's really, you know, they're not exactly shooting for the moon. They'll go for anything that gets them higher. Certainly not high enough. Different solutions that you'll find in that category are sex addictions, drug addictions, alcohol, 
Uh, really anything that can take over someone's life that's really just an escape. And so satisfaction seems to be like this really hard thing to get at. And so we set out to find a solution for this friend who is asking for help with this. And what we found is that there's not really a lot of Christian one-liners for this, you know? There's not a lot of um, quick little solutions that you can just shoot at it and hope that the problem goes away. What we did find, however, is something that I have written on before, and that article should probably get posted into this website. It's the section of John, which is in John chapter 4, where Jesus meets with the Samaritan woman. And as far as I can tell, doing any kind of search for what the Bible says about satisfaction and stuff, this was all I was able to find. And it doesn't have any great one-liners, but the whole story kind of is structured to give you this kind of an imagery about satisfaction. And so in this next section here, I'm just going to jump into scripture and start breaking it down a little bit. Right now, as we're playing some of our favorite little music here, would be a good time for you to retrieve your own Bible and read along, because I'm going to be highlighting a few parts of the text, but I will not be reading the whole thing. So it's important, I think, for you to be able to read this for yourself and to see how it all fits in and see what jumps out that I might not hit on. John chapter 4. I'm going to kind of give this paraphrase, I'll call it the, the TVV, of what's going on in John chapter 4. So Jesus and the disciples are traveling from one place to another, and they find themselves traveling through the land of Samaria. They go to a town in Samaria that I believe is pronounced Sychar, and in Sychar, Jesus and the disciples split up. The disciples go to get food. Okay, that's important, so remember that. In the meantime, Jesus goes to a well to get water, okay? At this well, Jesus meets a woman who is just called the Samaritan woman. She's never given a name, so we'll just have to keep calling her the woman. He meets up with this woman, and he has this great conversation with her. And something to note about this passage is that this passage operates like a map, kind of like a roadmap to follow while you're doing ministry. Jesus hits on five or six points, depending on how you break it up, of what would be a great uh, lesson or sermon on evangelism. So if you're looking for that, this is the place to go. But we're going to hit on one of these points where he kind of explains to the woman what he is trying to give her. In verse 13, Jesus says this, Whoever drinks of this water, referring to the water at the well that they're at, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What Jesus is pretty clearly speaking about here is salvation, and that's going to be what we call our first level of satisfaction. So he says, you drink from this one time, that's it, and then you're set. Now you're satisfied in that way. So when Jesus refers to satisfaction as satisfying thirst, what he's referring to is salvation. Notice, though, how he uses this imagery of water. He says that drinking water is his illustration for salvation. That's going to be important because this is going to come up again later. 
So Jesus and the woman talk a little bit, and eventually the woman realizes that Jesus is the Messiah, because he says so. But also because he's had this whole conversation, it makes sense to her when he says it. And she legs it for town to go get everybody else because, like, she just found the Messiah. It's incredible. As she's booking it back to town from the well, the disciples walk back up. Now, recall, they were on a mission to go find some food. They come back. They're confused as to why Jesus is talking to this woman, but they just kind of ignore it. And then they come to give Jesus this food. And he's like, I don't need it. I've already had food. And they're like super confused. So like, who gave Jesus this food? Like, we just want to go get the food. Why did he get food somewhere else? Who was it that gave it to him? And he responds to them in verse 34. He says to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. So. Basically, what he's saying here is, first of all, he's using another metaphor because he says, look, food is not in season, but I'm giving you this food, okay? So he's clearly making it obvious that this is something else. This is something different. He's not talking about food. He's talking about food metaphorically. Remember, he's already talked about water metaphorically. And what is this food? Well, he just said what it was. It's to do God's will for him. It's to fulfill God's plan. So recall that he's already used imagery of water. Now he's using food, okay? These are two highly connectable themes that you can use. Both are basic human needs that you can connect to drive home one point. Water, which is of salvation. It's you drink it once, you're fine. And then the second is food, which Jesus never says is a one-and-done deal. But this is a different type of satisfaction that he's describing. This is something that happens to people who are already saved. Jesus didn't need saving. He had that sort of satisfaction. The satisfaction he needed was from something else. That's what he describes here. And so he says, look, there's fields ready for harvest. And the imagery of what he's saying here is he's looking at this huge crowd of Samaritans that are coming to him that the woman just went to grab. He says, disciples, look, there's all kinds of food out there. And so it's clear that he's saying that doing God's will for him is like eating. It's that kind of satisfaction. And God's will, he then connects without even saying that he's connecting them to what is clearly ministry. He says, yeah, there's the food. It's people. Is it God's will or is it people? It's both. It's evangelism to these people. And so then you skip down to verse 37 and 38. And he says, for this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. So really what Jesus is saying here, it's easy. The hard part is done. You know, you, you think agriculturally, you know, the Bible uses a lot of agriculture uh, terminology and imagery. Picking the food is the easiest darn part. You spend months months watering and feeding these plants you try to get them all the sunshine and something and then finally the fruit you know the tomato or the apple or whatever it is is ready okay you pick it that's the easiest part months and months and months of buildup have led to you walking up to this plant grabbing what it grew taking it off and eating it it is like the most easy 
gentle experience of all time, okay? So to actually harvest, you know, harvesting a lot is hard, farm work is hard, but it's harder to grow the stuff than it is to pick the stuff. It's the easiest part. And so Jesus is using different farm terminology without even saying that he's doing it. He's referring to the woman as the seed, which he has sown, and it's grown into this, you know, from one many kind of thing, which is this whole Samaritan town that is now, you know, charging them down. So there are your two points for satisfaction. One is water, one is food. And, you know, I've described what both of those really contain. So in this next section here, we will be breaking down how this applies to our regular everyday lives. Now we've read the scripture, what do we do with it? That's what we'll do in the next section. So we've learned what the Bible apparently says about satisfaction, but we don't really know how to apply it yet. We've read scripture, it doesn't make any sense, scripture's a complicated thing, and now we're really going to break down what these things mean to us. So what you're going to find when you start trying to apply this practically is that, well, most Christians are going to say, well, we're set on the water part. What, what the woman needed, which was water, which was salvation, we've got it. We're done. We don't need to drink from that ever again. But this second half to satisfaction, this food part, which of course is what Jesus went over with his disciples, people who are already followers, what does this food mean to them? So you'll notice that Jesus links it to God's will. But he also links it directly to evangelism, and he does it seamlessly, like they're the same thing. So what I'm tempted to do is to say, well, clearly all you need to do is find out what God's will is for your life. And in that, you will find your satisfaction, you'll find your food. To do his will, the will of the one who sent me, that is my food, right? So how can you directly say that it's evangelism? Was that just Jesus saying that his thing is evangelism? Credo, who, if you are not listening to Credo's podcast, you should. Those should be available on all networks at this point by the time you hear this. And if not, they will definitely be on the main site, redeemingthetime.online. Anyways, we were in a big chat with Credo a little while ago, and Credo basically went on this massive rant, but it was a good rant. I love a good rant. Not a rant that, like, tears something down, but a rant that really wants something to be good. That's the kind of rant that he went on. And it was about evangelism. Everyone, every Christian is called to evangelism. And I hadn't really thought of this, but he's totally right. Different Christians are called to different things, but all Christians are called to evangelism. And that's specifically what Jesus refers to here. It's to do God's will, which seamlessly, the expectation is, it's evangelism. And so the answer clearly to finding out what your food is, why why you're not satisfied, why you're just kind of blah, why there's just kind of nothing, is because whatever you're trying to fill that gap with, you, you can't. The food that you were designed to hunger for is ministry, is evangelism, is actually reaching out and bringing new people in. And Jesus describes this like it literally sustains him, it keeps him going and charges him up. So, Really, what you're going to find is, unless you're doing this, you're going to go hungry. And sometimes people get so comfortable hungry, they don't even realize it anymore. That's not good. 
really what you got to do is you got to find your ministry and you've really got to work on evangelism somehow, which the American church sucks at. <laughs> it really has no concept of this. And the ones that do, so like the Jehovah's Witnesses, are super weird. Like they come up, they're like, hello, would you like to learn about our Lord and Savior? Like, no, no, please. I'm sorry. I'm very busy. I cannot speak to you right now because you're so weird and awkward. But evangelism, there's got to be a good way to do it. And I am certainly not the one to tell you how that is. But this chapter right here, John 4, is a good place to start. Like I said, there's five points on evangelism that you can learn just from the way that Jesus interacts with the woman at the well. To reiterate, find your ministry. Find what this gaping hole is. How are you spreading the gospel to the people around you and maybe to the people who aren't even around you? If it's not there, if there's no presence there uh, in that area, then, well, duh, you're going to go hungry. That's, that's just how it is. If you're not doing what God's will is, then, well, you're just, you're going to go hungry. You're not going to be satisfied. And if you don't know what God's will is, well, then start there. Have you tried asking? Have you just assumed that it's going to land in front of you? Have you tried actually looking and saying, I don't care anymore. I don't care what my goals are, what my dreams are, just show me. Show me what it's supposed to be. Show me what it's supposed to look like. In that case, he will show you if you're asking, and then it'll be clear night and day what you're supposed to do. And if you then choose not to do it, well, you're just going to keep on being hungry. It's just how it is. And recall that last bit where Jesus says, I am sending you to reap in fields where others have sown, others have done all the hard labor. He's totally right. Not only in this individual situation where he's already ministered to the woman at the well and that exploded into this whole town, he's right about all situations where this happens. Like, you realize that you don't have to die for the sins of the people you minister to, right? Like, the part that we have left to do is so minuscule compared to everything that's already been done. The biggest enemy that we face is awkwardness. That's a big problem in the church, and we'll definitely be getting into that more later. But, like, the fear of awkwardness is the only thing that's stopping the easiest part of the job. Like, imagine if you were standing out this outside of this, like, gorgeous orchard with, you know, name your fruit there, just sitting there, ready to be picked. You're totally allowed, encouraged to go pick, and you're like, yeah, but wouldn't it be, like, kind of weird? Like, I don't want to lift my hand above my head. Like, you know, I'm wearing a tank top. I don't want anyone to, like, see my armpit or anything. Like, I'm reaching out. It would just, it would be awkward for me to, like, reach for food right now. Like, it's the easiest part. Someone has already spent all this time, invested all of these resources to get it to that point. You've got the easiest part, and you're worried about something that is totally irrelevant. It's just awkward. I mean, welcome to my world. Everything I do is awkward. And I can tell you, it's really not that bad once you get comfortable with it. <laughs> so the point is, your awkwardness has just got to be pushed away and ignored so that you can go and do what is clearly the easiest part of the job. And when you do, when you get over that little hill you've got to work through, not only is God's will going to be accomplished, but you're going to be satisfied. You're going to be filled. You're going to learn from it. You're going to grow from it. And you're not going to feel that emptiness, that void. Something I didn't mention while we were going through the John 4 story with the woman at the well is that she had tried to fill it, fill that void with some other things, uh, namely men. 
Jesus calls her out in like the funniest way. He says to her, uh, go get your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And Jesus is like, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five, actually. And the person you're with now isn't even your husband. So it's like this hilarious, he totally pulls it out on her. And it's clear that she's tried to fill her life with these other things. Uh, he comes back at her with, or she comes back at him, sorry, with a religious question. Like, she even tried to fill her life with this meaningless Samaritan religion. And so nothing from sex to meaningless religion, which if you're in the church and you're not actually doing anything, you're just kind of showing up there every Sunday or whatever, it is meaningless religion. Just letting you know that. It isn't going to fill the void. You're just going to be left empty. And it sucks, sucks, sucks to be there. And so it is my my strong recommendation and clear scriptural instruction that you should find out what God's will is and act on it because it's going to be good for you and it's going to be good for all the people around you too. So if you just aren't satisfied, you're feeling that emptiness, you're feeling that void, then this is where you need to go. And I can tell you so much. Satisfaction is great. Since I started this podcast and this website, this is like absolutely 100% what I need to do. At least for now. I don't know how long this will run, but right now, this is where I'm supposed to be. And it is really nice to be there. It's nice being full. So get on over here. Get to the table because the fields are ready for harvest. In the meantime, though, I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. I hope you've learned something or at least thought about something, thought critically about something. And I hope that you will share this around. I really want to try to boost this. I hate to be that guy who's like, Don't forget to like and subscribe, you know, at the end of the video. Smash that like button uh, on YouTube. But the deal is, I really do want to get this pushed out because I'm trying to get as big of a field as possible to harvest from, if that makes sense. Uh, Although my harvest is, at least for this thing, is directed at the church. So if you enjoy this stuff, just blast it out on social media. And hopefully other people around you can learn as well. Anyways... This is Tyler Vigu on the Redeeming the Time podcast, and I will catch you next week with a brand new episode. Also, before I go, I want to let you know, once again, that you should totally listen to the Creedcast, as we're calling it, or uh, Nathan Kreider, who is a student at Lancaster Bible College, and his podcast that is currently being hosted on the Redeeming the Time online site. Check it out. It's on Spotify as of me recording this right now and should be on Google and Apple Podcasts as well by the time you get to listen to this. So if you want to hear someone who actually knows what they're talking about and doesn't just know a little bit about what they're talking about, which is me, go and listen to that. And I will see you guys next week.